Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Naked Leadership Podcast. This is Chad. Before we jump into our episode with Lucas Vandenberg, I want to tell you about a couple things that we have going on. The first one is the Impact Series with Ali Webb, Adrian, and Mark. This is a two-day workshop, well, technically a three-day workshop for founders. 20 founders at the table working on their specific challenge in their business. This workshop is filling fast. We're about 80% capacity right now. And we wanted to let you know that if you're a founder, you're listening to this podcast and you have a challenge in your business, please go to impact.takenewground.com and apply. We would love to talk to you. Second, I know on this podcast, you've heard Dan and Adrian talk about their public trainings called The Revenant. We have a Revenant training coming up in Austin, Texas, the last week of October. I'm telling you right now, this training is like 10 years of experience and learning packed into four days. You will walk away from this thing with a new perspective on life and the world that you didn't even know was possible. So if you're interested, go to wearerevenant.com. Wearerevenant.com. We would love to see you in Austin. Now, let's jump in with Lucas Vandenberg. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Naked Leadership Podcast. This is Chad. I'm with Dan and Adrian once again. Adrian, how are you, man? Hey, I am awesome. Excited for this conversation. Good. Dan, it's great to be with you, brother. Good to be back. So I'm excited. Today we have Lucas Vandenberg with us. Lucas, I, uh, as, as typical, I usually explain at the top of this, I don't love doing the intros. I like to let you do your own intro because you will point out what's important yeah, and it won't it be, anyway, so. yeah, it won't be me just reading some bio. So, um, <laughs> we're excited to have you on the podcast. I'd love to hear, uh, well, first, thanks for being here. It's great Thank to have you, for you having me. No, it's awesome to be here. Yeah. Um, also, or, or secondly, would you mind just taking a minute and just introducing yourself? Give us a little bit of your professional back, back, background, where you're at in life, anything that seems relevant to, to Lucas. <laughs> oh, it's all relevant. Um, so I, I mean, the, the most relevant, I guess, thing to this is, you know, when I became a founder, that was almost 13 years ago. Now, uh, we officially just celebrated our 12 year anniversary of my marketing agency, And really that all started from, so my last corporate job before starting 50 and five, which is my marketing agency was with a company called Southern wine and spirits and Southern is now Southern Glaciers, one of the biggest, you know, alcohol distributors in the world. And so with them kind of internally, I was part of their corporate marketing team and only, you know, I only worked with them for a couple of years, but it was in 2007, 2008, when I started basically saying, Hey, we need to get these brands into social media. And nobody really knew what that meant at the time. Uh, and I, I mean, I didn't either. I just knew I, I, my vision was that social would be a big way for brands to connect with people one-on-one and then do that like at scale too. So for me, I was excited to, you know, at least try to pitch this idea to Jim Beam and absolute vodka and all of these brands that we were representing. And at the time, you know, it was, it was AOL and MySpace. I mean, those were the social platforms at the time. Um, so for me, it was important to like, hey, let, let's see what these brands are, are thinking. Let's see if they're even open to this. And at the time, they weren't. I mean, they thought, you know, Facebook is at that time super new. It was only EDU based, so mostly college kids. And Twitter was new too. I mean, they thought Twitter was a fad. They thought, you know, Facebook's for college kids. How do we legally even do this? 
And so, I mean, it didn't happen. We didn't do anything with them while I was at Southern. And then recession hits, um, a really tough time, I think, for everybody. And, you know, a lot of people will say, you know, the alcohol industry does well during the recession. And they, I mean, they can and, and they have, but you also start losing some of the, those top, you're not, you know, people aren't buying the top and high end brands. They're looking at some of those value brands. So, you know, for me, it was an opportunity to kind of step back, look at how do I maybe leverage social in a way, um, kind of test the space. And so I, I went out and I created 150 different Twitter accounts, most of them in kind of the alcohol space, just for fun. And, uh, it was, you know, Jim Beam fans and absolute vodka, all these different fan accounts. And I just started tracking stuff that was happening in social. I really started to try to understand, you know, what was uh, resonating with people, what was, you know, what were influencers at the time. And I mean, I was, was calling them influencers. Um, it was just such a new space. There was one brand doing anything kind of in, in the social space um, from an alcohol standpoint. It was Beefeater Gin. It maybe like a thousand followers and they were growing at maybe, you know, 15, 20 people a day. So I focused on Jim Beam it was my, one of my favorite brands. Uh, love bourbon. They've got a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, Basil Hayden's Basil. bookers, bakers, you know, knob Creek makers, marks, so all these other brands that I could very easily kind of, you know, add on to the conversation. And literally within two weeks of me starting Jim Beam fans, I got contacted by beam. And Beam said, and I was freaking out. I'm like, kind of unemployed, <laughs> trying to figure out what I'm going to do next. And I had started these fan accounts and I'm like, fuck, are they going to like ask me to take everything down? Am I going to get sued for like illegally using their logo or their bottle? I didn't mean, and it was the wild, wild west and social. So um, I had no idea what was going to happen. And they basically went on to say, we love what you're doing. We just had a massive, you know, um, brand meeting and see what you're doing and we want to help can we give you guys you know can and can i give you you know hats t-shirts swag just stuff to give away and grow the account faster right and at the time i was still freaking out i'm like i didn't know if like was southern going to be pissed that i was doing something was it even legal for me to be promoting other brands like i had no i mean, it was clueless at the time and i was 20 28 29 years old you know so still young didn't have a whole lot of business savvy and that's kind of where 50 and five started like that. The fact that beam contacted me, saw what I was doing and recognized it as a valuable thing was really the light bulb to say, okay, if I could figure out a way to create an agency or teach some of the things to a team, you know, that I was doing in social. Um, and I'd, you know, at that point, I'd only been at it for a few weeks or, or months at, the, at that point. So it was still really new. Uh, but that's, that was kind of the start of a 15 five, um, you know, fast forward to today, we've worked with tons of massive brands and done campaign work all over the place. I'm always interested to hear how people view their journey into leadership, because oftentimes like for you, what I'm hearing is like this journey of like, oh, this Twitter thing's kind of weird. I want to understand it. Let me just like mess around. Let me. Yeah really seriously mess around actually if you're if you're running 150 twitter accounts no and yeah i mean and that was yeah so i mean if we if we go back to kind of the i mean the beginning of 
how, how did my leadership and kind of entrepreneurship start? I mean, for me, I mean, I feel like I've always been a leader um, in school. I mean, and, and I'll give my parents a lot of credit. I got sent to a really small private school. So the, the opportunity for me to be a leader was great because the odds were better. There just wasn't a lot of kids. So, I mean, to be able to be a leader in, you know, elementary school and junior high and, and then really high school. So the, you know, the plan was initially, I, and I went to Christian school my whole, whole life, basically. Um, so get into high school, you know, play football, play sports, become a leader in that space, which was, which was great, but then also run for student council and be, you know, I was vice president of my high school. And from there, you know, go to college. Um, I went to USC, a much bigger school than the 80, you know, two kids that were in my graduating class. Um, my classes were now, you know, 80 to 200 people. Um, but in SC, you know, I decided to go and, and I played club volleyball for a couple of years. So got to do some things there, but then I started a fraternity. And so I got to restart Sigma Chi at USC. Wow. And um, it, was, it was a really fun opportunity because I got to meet, you know, 40, 50 different alumni from all over the country that basically came to handpick kids to restart Sigma Chi and went through that whole process and became the first president of, of Sigma Chi of, of the refounding of, of this fraternity. And so there was an opportunity for me in that, in a networking with other alumni, which is where I saw the value in being in a fraternity. It wasn't for me at, you know, I'd founded it as a junior in, in college. So I wasn't a freshman kind of looking to find friends and that kind of core group it was like there was a bigger purpose and so you know first president and i you know did as much other stuff within the the greek system as well i was part of a um interfraternity uh you know diversity council and just did, did as much as i could kind of to give back in that space and really built sigma chi back to being i mean we got our charter back within a year and a half, which is hard to do. Typically, when you're doing a refounding, it can take several years. As you as you look back at all of these experiences, and it looks like it sounds to me like you sought out opportunities to be in leadership roles, which is always interesting. To, yeah. Maybe or maybe not. Maybe I'm making that up. Some people just like have an idea, it kicks off, and then you know, two three years later, they find themselves in a leadership role that they never intended. They were a creative or an artist or whatever. Um, so I don't know, I might be making stuff up there. I'm wondering, as you look at that trajectory of leadership over your, all these experiences, have you identified some principles or ideas that kind of govern how you show up as a leader? I mean, definitely have more recently. I think, you know, back in the day, I, I wasn't seeking out that stuff like that. That was not me. And I, I think early on, um, so I work for after, big league dreams. I was in the, I became a stockbroker, did that for a while, was not good at it. Learned some great leadership stuff from some of the older guys that I worked with, um, who also sold like life insurance and 401ks and that kind of stuff. Um, but from, a, I think the, the one time that I realized that I was not showing up as myself was when I, I actually worked in, um, aerospace as well for a bit. I worked for Northrop Grumman, and at Northrop, um, 
in El Segundo, right where they make the FA-18 Super Hornet, the assembly lines there and everything, I was buying parts for the Super Hornet. Um, but I realized there was a point where I'm like, I was showing up and I, I didn't know it necessarily at the time, but I, I showed up like as this other person who wasn't really me. And I put on like, this is what the business Lucas is supposed to look like. This is like what corporate, you know, and I, again, I like, I didn't know I was like 22 or three at the time. Right. So it was like, I was going into this without really knowing and looking back, I'm like, that was never me. I like showed up as like corporate Lucas, but had I showed up as myself. I think I would have done better and, and enjoyed it more. Um, and so I think part of that for me has been, you know, I, I've put up a lot of masks in the past of like, this is who people think that Lucas is or should be instead of just like really being authentically me. And I think from a leadership standpoint, that's definitely changed a lot more, even in the last year or two, um, where I keep taking off different masks so I can really just be myself and be present um, and lead from like my heart versus like, I think I've, I've tried, I tried for so long to like read and research and understand like, here's what I should be doing. Here's what other leaders say that I could or should be doing versus also just like leading from intuition and experience and a love for the people that I work with. Um, and so that's, I think, been the biggest learning for me is that I went from like shedding all of these masks at different jobs and careers and, you know, Hey, look at me. This is like a cool, like, I mean, being in the alcohol space, that's a cool job. Um, and I think I finally started to like be a little bit more of myself in that role. Um, and just be like, you know what, I can enjoy this and be me and not have to put on like the corporate I mean, I was still wearing a suit or, you know, at least a crispy white shirt and sport jacket. Um, Cause that's kind of the uniform in that space. But, you know, I was at least starting to become, I think the leader, more of the leader that I am today, at least yeah. and shedding a lot of those masks. It's funny because uh, the word hypocrisy in, in Greek literally means to put a mask on. Yeah. And I, and so, I mean, from a business standpoint, I was completely a hypocrite in a lot of ways in, in putting on those masks over time. Um, and not, and, and I think the hardest part for me has been, you know, as a leader and an owner of my company still trying like for the first several years or even the first decade, really like try to position who I am and who the company is as different than we really are. Yeah. Um, and so to have that learning over the last, you know, year or two has been, at least for me, feels very transformational. No kidding. Wow. I, I think, think that's a, I think that's a pretty relatable experience for anybody who has started or run a business for any amount of time. It's like this idea where you have to pretend that it's somewhere that it's not. Yeah, and, and the interesting thing is that I've found, and I think I'm still learning is like that reduces your resources like that cuts out resources because you've got to put on a show yeah, to pretend totally. that you're somewhere that you're not. And everyone, anyone or anything that could help you where you actually are is not interested in helping you because they think you're somewhere else. Totally. Yeah. That a thousand percent. And I mean, that even goes back to like, I mean, when, and we still do this a little bit because it's like, we're a marketing agency and now we're very remote and very virtual. So I have people all over the country. And so I feel like I leverage that a lot to still say, Hey, we have coverage in these places. 
but I'm not some huge Omnicom owned marketing agency where I have, you know, I have a building in downtown New York or, or any downtown for that matter. I mean, we do have office space here in Orlando um, where I'm at today. And we've had, you know, we had an office in Redondo beach for like eight years. So we had physical spaces, but I think even just leveraging, Oh, I've got somebody in New York who I hired to make sure that, you know, um, we had somebody there for pop-up events and PR and all the other things that we were doing in New York. Um, I mean, that, that for me too, has been like, we can, I can be very open and honest now we have people there. And so I can help service you from different time zones. And we had a, one of our, um, we work for enterprise rent a car. We managed all their Latin America business. So we had somebody who spoke Spanish and she ended up moving to Chile. So like we became international for a second, you know, for a half second. Um, and not that I pushed it that way. Cause that, that was more recent, but like, I could have used that to leverage like, Hey, we're, we now have like people all over the globe. We had one person in Chile um, and she's amazing. And she's, you know, since moved on to a new role. Um, but you know, I don't need to leverage the, um, the cities that I happen to have a couple people in um, as like to make me look bigger than I am. Yeah. Well, what hits me actually just reminds me of the conversation I just got out of with a client who's, uh, you know, in an interview right now for a potential role, you know, moving from a big brand to another potential big brand. Sure, and, sure. and um, you know, I, to get to the chase of the story, it's like there's a, there's playing defense, which is kind of like if you're corporate Lucas and you know it's not really you, at some point you know, and then you're faking it for a while, and then you naturally sure. have to like defend, you know, defend the truth. <laughs> I hope they don't find out that I really don't want to be here or whatever. It's like, natural, <laughs> you know, uh, and, and so there's that way. And there's lots of people listening to this that are like in a job that they know is a loser for them. They know they're playing small. They know it's not them. They know there's no future they want. And they're busy doing something else to satisfy the despair, whether it's side hustle or drinking habit or fill in the, mm-hmm. the blank, or there's like people that are on offense, um, which actually might feel it feels better than playing defense is being on offense. Like go kick, you know, I'm going to go make this thing happen. What I hear about you saying is there there might be some kind of third path here about like, let me just, let me focus on being true to myself and like being unapologetically me. And then those that want to do business with me will come and connect and there's opportunity here. And then those that don't want a remote team or whatever. Awesome. Yeah. I'm not going to talk into it. Look. And I, and I don't, I, we had, um, I just had a call two days ago with a, it's an, it's, I don't know how big, I don't know how much of a startup they are. They've probably been around for a couple of years, but husband and wife team, they started a hard seltzer business, which is doing great. They're in a ton of locations. Um, I reached out to him just to have a chat. We had a, you know, I had one of my business development people on the call and the first thing we basically go through is that he just hired an agency and so I was like, you know what, here, here's where I can help you. Here's a couple ideas that I have for you guys. Here's some connections that I can make for you, but you're obviously not in a place to hire us right now. So instead of wasting everyone's time, why don't you, you know, why don't we follow up in a couple months, see how this new agency is doing and I'll connect you with this other person. Who I think you guys could do some really cool. It's a, it's a company that does, um, Airbnb product placement. 
Oh, wow. wow. So, and I, I love this for them to do some sampling. Anyway, so I'm, I'll be introducing him to, to that company. Um, but at the end, he's just like, you know what? And it was maybe a 15 minute call. He's like, you know what? I, I just want to stop and thank you guys. Because the one thing that I expected and that's happened to me the last like five or 10 times I've been on a call with an agency is that they tried to jam their stuff down my throat. And I had already told them I heard somebody else. And so he's like, I, I really appreciate your approach. And I'm like, you know, at the end of the day, we might even be the right fit for you. Even if you don't like this other agency, it might not be us, but we're an option. And if once you've vetted enough people or agencies, you know, maybe you'll end up talking to us again. That's um, great. But that is our approach. And that's definitely been my approach, you know, for, well, not for forever, but more recently, for sure. Yeah. I mean, and, and I don't, you know, if, if people want to work with us, great. We, we do some amazing stuff and work and have great clients, but yeah. not everybody's the right fit. And, and also what I've realized too, is no matter how much money you have, I don't want to be working with you know, an asshole. So like to have a no asshole policy, either internally or with, you know, clients <laughs> is important for us too, because I, I, I get hit more from the one client that's paying, you know, a thousand or two, whatever, like this, the, the, the smallest retainer ever. Um, and there's, they're a massive headache and our team doesn't like working with them. And then it hits me and I'm like, it's yeah. not worth it. Like none of that's yeah. worth it. Yeah. yeah you, you hit a, I had a business where I built it. We ran it for 20 years almost, but at one point I wanted to become something I wasn't. And I thought it needed to be. And I, the crazy thing is we got successful in attracting people that wanted that too. And, exactly. and then I found myself laying up. Wake, I, I gained 40 pounds. I was up at night. I didn't like going to work. I, and I, I remember thinking to myself, how did I get here? And yeah. my wife said, you just lied to yourself and everybody else. <laughs> it's just, yeah. And I'm like all and the you're stress and, like, and your body. Yeah. yeah. But your body accepted that and yeah. added all the weight and the stress and everything else. So yeah, I get it. And I, and I've definitely, I've been there. Um, but I, I, I feel like now I'm in a, a different and better place. And, you know, a, a lot of, I've seen, and really it's been in the last, you know, five or six weeks. I did this, um, I did this thing in Austin. Um, and have been on a path of, I don't know if you can call it like an enlightenment or just like the purest flow that I've ever had, but things have just, if, you know, for the most part, just like naturally fell into place and it's not been me adding anything extra or doing anything. I mean, the different part is that I'm just being me yeah like a hundred percent and, and the things and the benefits of that have just like shown themselves daily. Yeah. That, that's what it's me when you're talking and I'm thinking about the principles here. Um, for those that are listening as well, you know, if, if I'm deciding that I'm just committed to being me and I get clear on what that is, like, here's, here's who I am, you know, I, apart from circumstances, apart from moment in time, apart from history, even apart from future, here's what I'm up to. It's what I'm committed to generating. Then you can show up. I love the story about the 15 minute conversation. Um, I, I, when I, five years ago, big transformations in my life, I got sober, got a divorce, start lost, you know, gave up a business partner, started new, all this kind of stuff. And 
there was a there was an acronym that I used to write on my thumb literally every day, which were kind of my pillars in the in the uh, in the soil, if you will. And it was G H G, grateful, honest, and generous. Yeah, that's good. Who I am. This is what I'm up to. I'm a grateful. I want what I got. I'm honest. Here's what's going on for me. Here's what I, you know, all that. And then I'm generous. And you're, but that only works. Your story hit, brought that back to me because you were all those things. And that, you know, all of a sudden, when you're that way, a relationship is possible because you weren't there to get something. You weren't there to manipulate because generosity can be hyper transactional or it can be hyper relational. It can be an investment or it can be a trade. You showed up and your generosity was an investment. And it's okay. It's like, a, it's like a gift, I guess, even probably more clear, you know, no, you it should, is, yeah. showed up as a gift, not even investment has a kind, a kind of view of ROI, but there's a relational ROI with an investment. It's just really beautiful. I think people that are banging their head against the wall about, about why things aren't working. I think what you were talking about kind of reveals some of that probably for them. I was like, how are you showing up as this like transactional thing? How can I get what I want? How can I use other people to get what I want? Other people end up being. No, no. And that's, I think one of the biggest, so I brought the, the one big issue that I brought um, to the, the workshop was that I did recently, which was, I guess, five weeks ago in Austin was like, how do I fill my pipeline with more leads? Like, I don't have an issue communicating, selling, showing the value of what we can do, helping people discover ROI within social media or even gaps in what they're doing or not doing. And so I was like, but I just need more people in that funnel. And I think part of what came out of that was the realization that is it wasn't about the numbers. And I, I, I hate to use like the quality quantity thing, but the way that I've always sold without really having identified it was by creating relationships. Yeah. And so when I look back, I have, I have a client that we're going to celebrate their 10 year anniversary and working with us and probably somewhere in like the three to 4 million of, of just retainer business with them over the last 10 years. Um, and I, I still look back and I'm still friends with the like CMOs that I worked with there 10 years ago. And they're, they're in Italy and I still communicate with them. And occasionally, you know, I'll get a text message saying, Hey, my, my wife's looking for a new, um, phone. I know you're in the, you know, I know you love the tech space. <laughs> Can you help me like help pick out a new phone? I mean, just random stuff like that, but I've created all these relationships, um, with clients. And, you know, one of my favorite ones is still the blaze pizza story, which I can get into as well. Um, and like, and we probably should talk about that next is just like, how relationships can, you know, grow and benefit yeah. over time. But like very, not like, it, yes, there's transactions happening from a financial standpoint, but the relationship transactions are yeah. very, very fulfilling. And to the point where I feel like some of them are family and that, I mean, and we share stuff with like family. And so when we get to the blaze stuff, I can touch on it, but I mean, just a really important piece for me is the relationship building. So the, the stuff I, I realized stop with the lead gen funnel filling and start building higher quality relationships. And yeah. I could do that in just, you know, in a, in a, in a workshop setting or, or however. It's, it's also very practical. I mean, 
it's out of relationship. If, if, if I don't have a relationship with you that's strong or I don't feel confident yeah. and trust, I'm not going to have the difficult business conversations as well or as resourcefully or maybe even not at all because yeah. I don't trust the relationship can hold the, the conversation. And so that's one of the things I realized when I, when I was trying to bring my business to where I thought it should be and how it should look many years ago, um, people felt very betrayed when I started being myself and, and oh, saying, yeah. oh, this isn't working. And they were right. I, had, I was betraying them because now I was going against what I had, had been promoting to about who I was and what I was about. And I remember somebody said to me, and, and, and I wanted to speak to this because I don't think when, when I was in that space, I didn't know really, I wasn't aware of how much I was there. I thought I was really being authentic and, and a very you trick yourself. It's like you have made that part of your fake identity. I, I and bought the lie. So ingrained. Yeah. And, and somebody said to me, well, you know, you lied to me. And I'm like, I was so offended at first. What do you mean I lied? You haven't lied to you. And then my wife really helped me see that. Yes, you did, Dan. You're you're trying to be something. You're, you want the business to be something you don't want it to be. You're trying to be somebody you think you should be. And they're all counting on that because that's what they want. Yeah. And that had a huge, I was, that had a big, if, I remember thinking, I felt completely, uh, when I unplugged from that, and Adrian, I know you can relate to this, I, just adrift, like, who am I now? And because mm. this was a really successful business, I was making really good money. And my lifestyle was, you know, I'd raised my kids in private schools and, you know, homeschooled them and with tutors and done all these different things. And gotten to Italy every year with my family to, you know, sort of here because I liked Christmas over there and all these different things. And I thought, well, now what am I, who am I? What do I do? And, you know, what, what am I made of? You know, like what happened here? So, but I, I realized when, when I'm like, you spoke to this, when you're just actually being yourself, oh. there is there's like whatever changes have to come through only strengthen and open up possibility. It does, it's not like a, a detachment from your reality or, you know, like you've lost your way. Right. Yeah. Well, I think for me, there was like this, um, I guess the realization for me too has been, I, in doing a lot of that and the pretending, I was just lying to myself. And so there was a lot of like, I did not have the integrity that I should have for a long time. Yeah. I was just like, I was playing that I was this other. And I mean, and that, that moved into, my marriage and how people saw that and like everything else. Right. So yeah. there was, I had been living a lie um, and, and like dealing with that has been difficult, but really yeah. great in releasing a lot of the stuff that comes with that. It's just being you or yeah. me or it's like amazing. The creativity that comes out of it because all that energy insane. that was being used to project insane. something. Can now be yeah, to create it takes a lot of fucking energy to like <laughs> to live a lie. It does. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Inauthenticity is twice the twice the hall. Yeah. Well, and I, it's, I believe, yeah. Well, and it's just, you know, I remember that moment in the workshop, you know. Well, I remember a moment for one of our few engagements in the workshop. Sure. Um, Wait, let's uh, let's just give a little bit of context really yeah, quick. I know, for people who don't know. Because most people, well, if you've been listening to this podcast, especially through the months of May and June, you heard us advertising this Founders Workshop in Austin, right. where we got to get with um, 
Jenny Brittenbauer and, and do two days with a table full of really powerful, successful founders. Mm -hmm. And that's what uh, Adrian and Lucas are referring to. So yes. carry on. Correct. Right, thank you. Carry on. I, remember, I remember, you know, in that, it, was a, it was a lighter touch workshop than we're used to. Um, but in that moment, I said something to you that really offended somebody else. I don't remember that. Um, oh, but, yeah. What was that? Well, I, I, think, I think the quote out of my face was, <laughs> Lucas, not as much of a douchebag as you sound like. No tool, tool. Oh, tool. tool. That's right. Yeah, you're not. Tool. You're not the tool you talk like. Is what it. I, I know because I've edited it like, over and what? over again. Tool much clearer. <laughs> Which is totally fine because I do talk like a tool sometimes. But well, here was it. Thanks for calling well, here, me out. Yeah. Well, here it was. Right. I mean, yeah. at least you're you're on the other side now, and I only say that kind of stuff to people that I trust, people I know can handle it, and it, if I'm convinced there's something they're worth listening to, only because. You knew it, right? The, the oh, length yeah. about the funnel. What, what I was pointing to in the moment was you keep talking about this funnel and your answers are to your right and left and all around this table. So it's yep, not yeah, about the were. funnel. It's a, every, like your funnel. Actually, if you want to, you can relate to the funnel like a lot of people do. And it's like all numbers and blah, blah, blah. Or you can relate to what I need is key client relationships. And who are the relationships I want and where are they? They have names and stories and interests and concerns and all that shit. And if I listen for that, yep. then I'll connect. And all of a sudden I don't need to kind of machine, you know, mechanize my business. Some businesses have to be mechanized and every business does and blah, blah, blah. But my point is the relationship to the potential. And, and if I, if I am, if I'm a tool and I'm relating to it, like I'm, you know, I have to do X, Y, Z that I don't like in order to get that, then I'm also using that as a tool as well. And all of a sudden there's no names and stories and interests and whatever. None, and that, that was the tool part. It's like, hold on, your answers. And I know it worked for you. One of the yep. big wins of the workshop was, oh, all the work that came out of it, including, you know, my fiance's business. Yep. And, you know, because when you show up as an opening, as a caring, loving, generous expert that you are, funnel schmunnel, man, it's all just right here. Funnel schmunnel. <laughs> well, yeah. And so for me, I guess it's like, it's moving from thinking about it as a funnel to just a take like a dinner table of, of people that I care about. It's a network. Yeah. It's a network. So, I yep. mean, it's, uh, yeah, you were talking, I mean, this is how we build our business is just building vital uh, conversations that get to the heart of the matter yeah. um, for people. And well, I mean, if, if you do call me a tool again, I'm going to come after you. Bring it. Call me. I can help you. Um, no, I'm kidding. I, I think it was, it was, I mean, that, I mean, now that I remember it, that was, that, that was, a, I think that was a great call on your end to, to use that term. Well, I only said moment. to you, I wouldn't have, yeah. I wouldn't have uh, spoken. No, and I can, trust me, I, I can handle it and I appreciate yeah. the honesty. Well, and what's interesting too, is other people at the table heard Adrian call you a tool, which he <laughs> no, actually no. did it. He actually I did it. He, right. he gave you some of the highest compliments that someone can give somebody. He just said, it's hiding behind this behavior that could be perceived as tool. Right. I was labeling the mask, the mask. Yeah, right, yeah. No. And the, the mask was like very toolish for sure. Yep. Yeah. And the invitation then becomes, let me be your tool rather than let's be in relationship. And you can build a, you can actually, I, I think that very principle that you just spoke about is also how to build the business around you as not just oh. the, the funnel and the customer relationships, but internally, because I, I think oftentimes 
we, I give the message, I can give the message to my partners that I'm a tool, go ahead, use me, and then get upset about the fact that they're using me as the tool I invited tool. them to use me for. Right. <laughs> True. There's, there's so, there's so much here. This is amazing. Uh, Lucas, you've been so generous with your stories and your experience. I really wanted to get to like yes. some brass tacks, like, um, uh, tips or tricks I don't even love tips or tricks, but just like ideas around marketing and social, maybe some mistakes that founders, and we just didn't get to it. Um, and, and so all that, all that is, is like me setting us up for another conversation with you. Which is fine. And we can, we can definitely address that in a future conversation. Like the tips and tricks is a really tough place right. because social is always changing. I think the biggest tips. thing I will say is, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. And th this is just kind of in general. Um, there are always new platforms that people, I feel like they need to be on because they're maybe new, or I, I think so many people from a business standpoint, when they're starting a business, they're like, I have to be on Facebook. I have to be on Twitter. I have to be on Instagram. Um, maybe I have to be on TikTok now. I think the, the biggest mistake is putting resources against channels that you don't really need to be in, or maybe where your target demographics, not at all. Mm -hmm. And so for me, people are like, you know, do you guys have a package that we can look at? And I'm like, well, like, like, like we're going to do, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and we're going to do two posts here and three posts there and five there. Like we can do that. But like, for me, that's way too prescriptive before I know your business, before I know how you make money, before I know what your target demo is. And I can give you a package, but it doesn't mean it's the right fit. So I think for a lot of people out there who are starting businesses who are looking to like leverage social media and, and that marketing channel to help them grow businesses, um, you've got to make sure it's the right ones. And, and I mean, I can run all of your channels and charge you for it, but like, I would rather, you know, manage one or two that, that matter the most yeah. and show you that return. And then we can move on to the other ones that are maybe more like vanity type places to be. Um, and that's the other piece too. like stop people. And we have, we have some clients like this too. They're really concerned about vanity metrics. Like, why are we not growing faster? Why do we not have more followers today than we did yesterday? And, and that mentality, um, again, from like the way that I've learned from a leadership standpoint, all that stuff is like your mask, right? The real stuff is like the content you're putting out, the way you're interacting with your, your prospects or clients or whoever you're targeting, and not just the number of people that are following you. And so like, that's a whole nother area where yes, we can grow people's accounts and it's a nice to have from a credibility standpoint, but that's another area where I would not spend extra money against if you don't have the resources to do it. Yeah. Um, so tips and tricks, I, that was the wrong thing for me to say. What I'm interested in, in talking with you about is how people relate to their social media, their brand, yeah. all of that kind of stuff. So we'll have you come back for that. Totally. Tell people where they can hook up with you. Yeah, well, absolutely. Hook up. <laughs> I mean, Tell well, people where they can find you, interact with you. <laughs> totally. Okay. So 50 and five is the name of the agency. 50 and five is, so we can't use the, we have an ampersand, which is our, you know, the and. Um, but everywhere on social, it's 50 and five all spelled out. So F I F T Y A N D F I V E we're on, I mean, pretty much every platform. So, uh, the fun one for me right now is probably Instagram. So definitely go check out our Instagram account. Um, personally I'm at Trojan LV, uh, which is in reference to USC and obviously my initials. And then, um, 
I mean, 155.com is our website. All that stuff is an easy way to, to access us either via email or just message me on, on Instagram. Lucas, you're amazing. You're generous. Thank no, you, you guys are so amazing. Much. Thanks for the invite. It was, a, it was a blast. And we'll we get... definitely should do it again. Okay, let's do it. Go even deeper and get even more naked. <laughs> that that's our <laughs> that's our secret you're not supposed to tell the audience that we're actually okay, naked. Uh, right. yeah. right. work, just from the bottom down that's right. All right. <laughs> thanks everybody i right, appreciate you guys Bye-bye. bye bye well my friends thank you so much for listening to yet another conversation on the naked leadership podcast your listenership and commitment to the podcast means the world to us if this podcast or these conversations has helped inspi- helped or inspired you in any way would you mind going to apple podcasts and leaving a five-star rating and a glowing review this helps us grow the movement and reach more leaders and teams finally the greatest compliment that you can give us is sharing the podcast with your teams and the other leaders in your life until next week bye-bye everybody